So we're going to jump right in. I want to talk to you this evening, not for too long, but I want to talk to you about finding hope in life's transitions. Finding hope in life's transitions. If you will go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it is a very encouraging scripture. I know it don't seem like it, but it is because Paul is telling us um, in words, he is saying that you are in your life going to have to make a lot of changes. You're going to have to throw off a lot of things in your life. You're going to have to go through different transitions. You may have to throw off some bad habits that you created. You may have to throw off some sins that has kept you entangled. We all have to go through this. We all have to go through this, throwing off different things in our life and going through the transitions. The problem is that one of the most difficult things to deal with in life is transitions. Since transitions are a part of life, we need to make them by letting go inwardly of the part of life that we used to have and moving into the life that we are in now, the new life, whatever that may be for you, whatever season you may find yourself in. We notice that changing of the seasons, that it, it shows us that we are going to make a lot of changes, that life is filled with lots and lots of changes. So this evening, we will not be focusing so much on the change, but I want to focus on the transition. We'll cover the change just a little bit, but I want to focus on transition. They are not the same. Change can happen very quickly. Change can happen just like that. Now, transition, on the other hand, is eternal. It's what happens in people's mind as they go through change. You can go through a change of a new job. You can get a, a new boss. You can go through the change of having children. You can go through the change of your children going off to college. There's all kinds of changes. I work for Hibbit Sports, and we went through um, some changes a few years ago. We changed leadership in the company. Uh, we end up, we bought City Gear, and then after we bought City Gear, the president of Hibbits, he stepped down. So when he stepped down, the board of Hibbits made the city gear president the president over Hibbits. So that put him over Hibbits and city gear. When they did that, he started making a lot of changes. He started firing all the Hibbit people, all our regionals, all the vice president. I mean, he was letting everybody go. So when we started hearing the news, we was freaking out. We were like, oh, Lord, what is going on? He fired our regional, our district manager, thought he was finna get fired. The store manager, we all thought, we were like, man, they finna let all of us go. They made a lot of changes. But it took us about six months to a year to transition into their new philosophy. What they wanted Hibbits to look like. What they wanted the new Hibbits to be. That took a minute. 
Now, it was a lot of complaining during that time because we didn't like all the changes. You know how it is when, when you start making changes. People are always complaining. Store managers calling other store, other store managers, telling them, you heard about what they did? Man, you heard about that? It was just so much complaining because we don't like change. We don't handle transition well. Now, transition, it can be exciting or it can be difficult. It can be exciting by when your kid graduates high school. You know, that's an exciting time. They're going, they graduate high school, you finally got them off if they decide to go to college. They're going to college, and now you have the house to yourself. If you only have one kid, maybe you got another kid. Now you're just down one kid or however many kids you have. That could be exciting for some folks. On the other hand, it can be very depressing for other folks. Some people don't handle change well. A kid going off to college, especially if you are a parent that is wrapped up in your kid's life, in their sports life, and all you have known was going to this sports event, going to this baseball game, going to this basketball game. Your life was so wrapped up in the kids, after they leave, you don't know what to do. You don't transition that well. It can be exciting when your child get married. That is an exciting time. But that can be a hard time for some parents transitioning, especially for uh, young uh, men for to let go of their mom. You have a wife now. You can't always go back to your mom's house. Stuff has changed. You have to transition into your new life. It could be difficult in a way if you end up getting a divorce. That could be a difficult time for people. Now you have to learn how to live without that spouse. Now you have to learn how to live in this new way of life that you don't know nothing about. And you have to teach your kids how to live this life. So transition can be exciting or it can be hard. It can be difficult if there's a death in the family, especially a sudden death in a family. Now you got to learn how to live without this loved one. You don't get to call them no more. You don't get to see them. So it can be difficult. Transition can be really, really hard. Many of us right now are going through a lot of transitions in our life. And even though we are going through these, we have to learn how to handle transitions well. And it could bring up a lot of questions, questions such as, can I do this? Can I do it? I don't know if I can handle this transition. What will happen next? What's going to happen next in my life after all these changes have taken place? What will I do? Who will I be? Who am I? Me and Chastity, we went through some transitions in our life. Our first three years of marriage, it was just me and her, basically. And then here comes Bella. We had Bella. That was an exciting time. It was exciting and difficult because we had to learn how to live with a little baby. We had to learn how to not sleep as much at night. We had to learn that we wouldn't get naps like that after we came home from church. We had to learn a lot of stuff. And then on top of that, 17 months later, here comes Ivy. She wasn't expected. That was a big change. When she came, it made it even harder. 
You really can't just up and just do stuff. Now you packing bags for two babies. Now if you want to go out to eat, you got to plan way ahead. If you even want to go out to eat, because if you're taking two toddlers out to eat, we went out to eat the other day at the Mexican restaurant or whatever. I don't know why we did it, but we decided to do it because we don't go out to eat that much like that. So we went out to eat and we forgot because we haven't been out so long how it is to eat with toddlers. You have Bella climbing on the tables, just doing what Bella does. You had Ivy whining because she wanted to get on the table. Me and Chastity looked at each other like, why did we come out? We should have just ate at the house. The transition, trying to learn how to live in a transition, knowing that it is just a season. It is okay. Me and Chastity got this, this joke that we do in the house. I always tell her, I, when, the, when the girls are really being toddlers and they are really getting on our last nerves, I tell her, I'm finna go out and get some milk. And what I'm saying is, I'm finna go get some milk and I ain't coming back because they getting on my nerves. So every time they get on my nerves, I'll look at her and say, hey, I'm finna go get some milk. And she'll be like, you ain't going nowhere. But just trying to learn how to live with all the changes in your life. We had to learn how to live with that transition. Trying to run a church, trying to raise toddlers, trying to make sure our marriage stays strong. It's a lot of changes that can take place in our lives. And we have to learn how to live in that transition. So our first point, if you are taking notes, is the first point is start by leaving the previous chapter. Start by leaving the previous chapter. Our life is an unfolding story filled with many chapters. And when a chapter ends, then it is time to turn the page. No matter how great that chapter was, it could have been a great chapter in your life. That could have been the chapter where you got married, you got this promotion, you had your first children. This was a great chapter. Everything was going great in your life. There was no trouble. It just seems like it couldn't get better. This was a great chapter. But guess what? It ended. And when it ends, it is time to go to the next chapter. The chapter is going to end because you know what the problem is? No matter if you don't want the chapter to end, time has a way of always moving forward. No matter if you want it to or not, time has a way of always moving forward. You can be stuck in this chapter as long as you want. You could be stuck in this past not wanting to let go of how life used to be, of what you used to do. But guess what's going to happen? Five, 10, 15 years later, you'll find yourself still talking about the same chapter. Man, you remember chapter one and you're supposed to be in chapter 10. You have to learn how to leave the chapter when it ends because nothing stays the same. This is what happened in Exodus with the Israelites. They were in um, slave into the Egyptians for 400 years. They cried out to God. They was crying. They was complaining, Lord, where are you? Lord, we need you. Lord, come and deliver us. Save us, Lord. The Lord came and delivered them. He brought them out of Egypt. He gave them the change that they was praying for. He gave them the change that they wanted. The problem was that they were stuck 
in their past. They had a huge problem with learning how to transition out of what life used to be. And they end up circling around in this desert, in this wilderness for 40 years because they couldn't let go of this chapter. They couldn't let go of this chapter. They couldn't let go of the past world that they knew, this Egyptian world. They walked like the Egyptians. They talked like them. They were thinking like them. They ate like them. Their whole life, all they knew was Egypt. Egypt was all in them, and they wanted to go back. They were unwilling to turn the page. They were unwilling to see the hope and the future that God had for them. They were stuck in the past. Do you know people like that? When I meet with some of my old buddies that I went to high school with, it's amazing to me that 15, 16 years later, we're still talking about the same thing. Man, you remember when we used to do such and such? Man, you remember old girl? Man, she was bad. Man, man, you remember just talking about the same thing? Not talking about what God has been doing in their life and where God is taking them and this future that God has for them and all the dreams that God has put inside of them. They're stuck living in this past of who they used to be, what they used to do, how life used to be. Man, life was so good. Do you know any people like that? Or you might be that person that's stuck in your past, stuck thinking about the good old days. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul said, I'm not worried about everything that's behind me. What's some of the things that was behind Paul? Paul had a great education. Paul was one of the top Pharisees. Paul excelled in everything that he did. So if anybody could have been like, man, I had it made back there. I could just go to the other Pharisees and let them know what I wanted to do, and they was going to let me do it. But Paul said, I'm not hanging on to that because God has called me into a different direction. And that's the mindset that we have to have. Because I know it's so easy for us to, to sit there, especially when life is just throwing us around and life is being hard. You sit there and you just think about, man, how life used to be, man. I, I used to have that. I remember I used to have this truck. Man, that, that truck was so nice. Man, you remember the rims I had them? Just thinking about the good old things. Paul said, I focus on this one thing. I forget about my past. I forget about everything that I have achieved all the education, everything that I was good at, and I am looking forward to what lies ahead. Are you looking forward to what lies ahead? Have you left your previous chapter? Paul did, and he opened the next chapter. That's exactly what we have to do. Point number two is we have to turn to the next chapter. It's not going to do you any good to leave the, the last chapter if you do not turn to the next chapter. The great thing about turning into the next chapter is it hasn't been written yet. Not on your end, 
Now, God has written your chapter. Your life is already written out in God's eyes. He already has a great plan for your life. But you can decide to do something else if you don't want to follow God. You can decide to change how your future, uh, how God wants your future to look. You can decide to go down another road. You can decide to make different decisions other than what God has called you to do. You can't change the past, but your future is a different story. Your future is full of possibilities. Your future is full of opportunities. Your future is full of hope. Your future is full of hope. Life is full of small hopes that push us forward in life. It's like wind in our sails taking us from chapter to chapter. Without hope, you won't be going nowhere. Paul spoke, he spoke of the small hopes in our lives. Paul spoke, he said, in one scripture, he said, I, I hope to see you when I go to Spain. In another one, he, he said, I hope to send Timothy to you. See, Paul had, we, we, Paul had this, he had a hard life. Paul was in prison a lot. Paul was beaten. Paul went through a lot. And some of the things, some of the small hopes that kept pushing him forward is knowing, man, I just want to go and see the other believers. Pretty soon when God get me out of here, I'm going to go and everything is going to be okay. Even if it's just for a moment, that was the small hope that Paul was holding on to when life was hard. What are the small hopes in your life that you're holding on to that's pushing you to your next chapter? Is it, I know for me, one of my things, when I know I have a vacation coming up, when me and my family finna go to a beach, that's a small hope for me. When life is getting hard and I'm tired and we have done a lot of ministry and um, Hibbets is getting on my nerves, I could just think about this small hope coming in about two months. Like pretty soon, me and my family will be on the beach. We're going to eat some seafood. We're going to eat some good food. Man, life is going to be great. It's hard right now, but this small hope I'm holding on to. Or when I'm at work and I'm ready to go home and I know my kids are going to be waiting for me. That's a small hope because when I open the door, I already know what to expect. Daddy, daddy, they're going to run and jump in my arms and it's going to make everything okay. I don't care what has happened the entire day. I hold on to that small hope. What are some of the small hopes in your life? What are some of the things that you are holding on to that's going to push you to your next chapter? You got to have small hopes. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Your life is full of hope. God said, I have great plans for your life. Well, God, it sure don't feel like it right now. You have a bright future. But God, you don't know everything I've been through. I promise you, there's a lot of great opportunities in your future. But God, I, I sure can't see it right now. You know, I just went through this bad thing. I just went through this breakup. 
God is saying you have hope in your future. The absence of small hopes will rob your life of joy. If you don't take time to to really evaluate and sit there and think about some of the small hopes in your life, then it's going to rob you of your joy. That was a lot of the problem with the Israelites when they was in the desert. They couldn't take time to sit there and think about the hope that they had, the future of the promised land of what God has said. He said, I have a promised land for you. It has milk and honey there. It's going to be great. And instead of them sitting there picturing this vision, this this future that God has told them that he has for them, all they did was complain. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I want water. God, give them water. I want something to eat. God, send them manna. Oh, I don't want man. I want some meat. He sent them quail. Oh, we're so sick of eating quail. Complain. Complain. We find ourselves complaining. And if Israel could have just envisioned their future, holding on to what God has told them, I have a promised land for you. Each and every one of us has our own promised land that God says I have for you. I have a destination that I want you to get to. I have a promised land for you. But in order for you to get there, you're going to have to find some small hopes and hold on to them and allow them to push you. Because when life gets hard, you're going to want to give up just like the Israelites did. They wanted to go back. Lord, just send me back. I wish I can go back to how life used to be. Have you ever said that before? I know I've been guilty of it. I know I had to repent and ask God to forgive me for saying that. Lord, I know you have a a bright future for me. I just got caught up in what was going on. So we have to hold on to the, the future that God says that he has for us. We have to get to the next chapter. You know what will happen when you don't have small hopes and in the middle of transition is you will find yourself hopping from either job to job or relationship to relationship or church to church. Anytime change come in your life, let's say that that you have to change jobs and you don't like this new job. Most of the time when you start a new job, you're probably not going to like it because you don't know how to do everything. You don't know the people there. You're not familiar with the stuff. You're thinking about how the old job used to be. Man, I miss my old coworkers and stuff like that. And if you don't learn how to handle the transitions, then you'll quit that job and go there. Even with church. Let's say you go to a new church and you're not used to them. You don't know the people there. The music is louder than the the, the older church that you went to. They do a little things different than what you are accustomed to. If you don't learn how to live in the transitions and find those small hopes and be patient and stop complaining, you're going to end up jumping from church to church, relationship to relationship, from job to job, and your life is going to be full of changes instead of full of transitions because you're just going to change after change after change. Because you won't settle down and hold on to the small hopes. So why is transition so difficult sometimes? Why is it hard for us to transition in life? Well, 
One of the reasons is transitions often mean a redefinition of who you are. If you were somebody important at this job and you and you had your identity wrapped in this job and that's who you become and you end up getting fired or the job laid you off and you had to go somewhere else and you're no longer a manager. And now you can find yourself feeling confused. So, well, I don't know who I am. Because your identity was wrapped in the job instead of wrapped in who you are in Christ. You can't have your identity wrapped in the job. You can't have your identity wrapped in the relationship. That's why it's so hard for some people to be single. When people, when some people uh, get out of a relationship, you'll see they jump into another relationship just like that. Because their identity is wrapped in being with somebody. They can't sit there and be single for uh, uh, six months to a year because they feel like I don't I don't know who I am if I'm not with somebody. What do I do? I used to have a employee. Um, she she hated to go eat by herself. Now, I don't mind. I love going to a restaurant. I would sit there by myself and eat with a smile on my face. It don't bother me at all. But she couldn't do it. She do not like it. She feel like people looking at her. She feel I don't I don't know. Just feel like they're watching me. I said, let them watch. If they want to watch you eat, let them. I'll let them watch. I wave at them. Some people don't like to be alone. Some people can't handle it. And you have to learn in your life that it's okay. That that my identity doesn't come from this relationship. That my identity doesn't come from me being in a relationship, that I can be alone and I am totally fine. Because I can look, you have more time to spend with God. You're not so wrapped up chasing behind this person that you can be alone. Another problem of why transition can be so difficult um, is when when leaving home, especially for parents that was so wrapped up in their kids uh, sports life is now you don't even know how to be with your spouse because you wasn't spending time with your spouse because you spent so much time with your kids. Now that your kids are gone off to college and you're at home by yourself and now you're looking at each other like, who are you? And now you have to relearn this person because you didn't take the time to be together while the kids were there. It was all about the kids. The kids got a game here. The kids got this activity. The kids got to do this. You are so wrapped up. So when the transition comes, you don't know how to be with the person. Or with, let's say you have elderly parents that has to come and live in a house with you. That can be a hard transition to have to deal with. And you have to learn how to deal with your parents coming into your household because sometimes the mother and the daughter could be just alike and it's going to be bumping heads or the father and the son could be just alike and it's going to be bumping heads. You got two lines in the same house bumping heads with each other. It can make it very difficult. Sometimes transition can can mean the end of something for you and it can feel like a sense of loss. That's what the Israelites was feeling. They felt like they was losing. Think about this. They actually felt they was God had delivered them from slavery and they felt like they had lost something. He took them out of bondage and was taking them to a promised land and they wanted to go back because they felt like it was better over there. 
We had cucumbers. We had all this stuff. They felt like they was losing. Other times it can make it difficult because it can just seem like it's just uncertain. You don't know what's ahead. So you know all about your past. You knew you were familiar with this, but you don't know what to expect going into this this new place God is sending you, this new situation that you are in. It's unfamiliar. And it can make it very, very difficult. The future chapter can be very unfamiliar. So you have to learn how to exchange one small hope for another one. When you are moving through life and you are going through changes, because we all got to go through it. We all going to go through change after change. You have to learn how to move from one small hope to another one. If you have a kid that has graduated and, and they have left the house, that's a major change. You need to find a hope for that. Okay, what's, what's the small hope that you can hold on to with your kid going off to college? Well, your kid is coming home in two weeks. Hold on to that. I get to see my baby. She is going to come home. He is coming home in two more weeks. I get to spend with him. Or you get to go up there to them. Those are small hopes that you can hold on to that will push you to keep going. Let's say that your kid is going off and they're getting married. What's the small hope that you can hold on to? Well, now you have this this other person that your, your kid has married, your child has married, and now you have added uh, this person, I wouldn't say to your family because they started their own family, but when you do get together and if they do decide to have kids, that's a small hope that you can hold on to. Grandchildren. Because the good thing about grandchildren, let me tell you what my, my mom and them do, they spoil our kids and they give them right back. They don't got to keep them. They spoil them, let them do whatever they want, and then me and Chastity have to figure out the rest. We have to try to calm them down. So grandparents, we thank y'all for that. Not really. It makes us mad. We're like, ah, stop giving them so much candy. Bella know where my mama's candy stash is. She know when, when she go over there, she go straight to the candy stash. Because she know grandmother is gonna, gonna spoil her baby and let her do what she want and then send her home all hyped up. And then daddy got to chase her around and try to calm her down. But you got to find the small hope. Then what's next after if there is no more small hopes? Point number three, there is a big transcendent hope for all of us. This is our ultimate hope of hopes. It is still there even when your small hopes fail. Even when the transition doesn't go the way that you wanted to go and you find yourself going through change after change, there is a big hope. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So when we have hope, then we can have faith that will push us to the hope. But what happens when we run out of small hopes to hold on to? What happens when, when life just seems like, man, I, Lord, I have tried to hold on to small hopes. I have did this and I still don't know what to do. 
Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, it was by faith that Abram obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and he even reached the land God promised, and he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner, living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham was called by God to, to uproot his life, to leave everything that he knew, all his family, and just go to a land where God would show him. He didn't know where it was going to be. He didn't know what he was going to be doing. He didn't know where he was going to be living. But all he knew was God had uprooted him from the life that he known, that his former way of living. And he went. He was obedient. Now, what if Abraham would have had this mindset of thinking, man, while he's on his journey, man, I sure do miss home. Man, I remember how it used to be with all my family. I remember all the good things. We would just sit there and just enjoy each other and laugh. What if he would have did that? He didn't. Scripture says that he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham had faith and hope. His hope was in what God had told him he had for him. And his faith pushed him through. That's how we have to be. We have to put our hope in what God has told us that he has for us. Whatever that is. And your faith is going to push you through. Your faith is going to push you through because you know that I, I don't know God exactly how this is going to look, but I know you are faithful. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, this situation, but I know you are a provider. It's your faith that's going to push you through. That's what pushed Abraham through. He had faith. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. He had closed the previous chapter in his life and he had went out. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off Every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Each and every one of us have our own race that God has called us to run. Each and every one of us has our own lane that God has set out for us to go in. He never said that this was going to be easy. He never said that you wasn't, wasn't going to experience a lot of changes. He didn't even say that you may come across and, and bump a few things or crash while you're going in the, the race. He said, get back up and keep going. No matter if you have to run fast or if you have to run slow. The thing with Jesus 
is when Jesus was going through his changes, he spent 33 years on this earth doing miracles, doing all kind of things. And then it came to the time where it was time for him to die. He had to transition. And he didn't want to. He prayed three times for God to take away that transition. He, he, he didn't want to do it. But he said, Lord, not my will, but your will. And he he was looking forward to what he knew what was coming. He was looking forward. He had hope that he knew I know I'm finna go through some painful stuff. I know this is not finna feel good, but when I am done with this, I'm gonna be sitting at the right hand side of my father. He had hope in that, that he was gonna be back with his father. And that's what we have to remember. When you are running your race, when you are living your life, and you are going through all the changes that life is going to bring your way. And you are trying to figure out how to live in the transitions. The Bible says that you have to keep your eyes on the greatest hope that we have. When you don't have no more small hopes to hold on to. When you have done everything you can in your life to try to get to this next chapter. You keep your eyes on the greatest hope. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the greatest hope that we have. He is the greatest hope that's going to take us to eternal life. When you have ran through all your small hopes, you have went through graduation, you have went through marriage, you have went to the elderly season with your parents, and you have reached the end of your life, and now you're saying, God, what's next? And he's saying, hold your head up and look at Jesus because he is your greatest hope, and he is going to bring you into eternal life. Amen. Will you stand to your feet? We have to keep Jesus the center of all our hopes. Even when our little hopes fail and they are done, Jesus is still there. Even when Life has done, chewed you up and spit you out. Jesus is still there. And Jesus will enable you to make the transitions in your life that you need to make. He will even make you make the greatest transition that you will ever make in your life if you have put your faith in him. And that is to glory. So I want to open the door for that. If you are here and if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, the greatest hope that we have, this is your opportunity. The altars are open. We will have people to come and pray with you. If you're here, you say you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus and to make that change and to transition into the greatest hope that you will ever know. Don't waste another second. Let's say you are already saved. And you just haven't closed that chapter. God is saying you still have breath in your body, so it is not too late. Close the chapter and turn the page to the next chapter. Your life is full of possibilities and different opportunities. So never lose sight of that. But most importantly, never lose sight of our greatest hope. And that is Jesus. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? 
Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that your word doesn't go in one ear and out the other this evening. Lord, I pray that you soften the hearts of each of us so that we can receive what you have said and apply this to our life. Lord, help us to to make the transitions that we need to make in our lives and to to close the doors and the chapters to chapters that need to be closed and help us to get to where you're taking us. Lord, we thank you for everything you have done this evening. Lord, we thank you for your traveling grace and we thank you for your love. And Lord, we ask that you continue to bless each and every person here so that they may be a blessing to others. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great night.